You are the power of this cosmos. You are pure intelligence. You are unspeakable beauty. You are in perfect harmony with the entire cosmos. Stars and unknown stars, <laughs> sun and moon, air and light, the beautiful plant kingdom of mother nature, the waters. <laughs> this is your context. Male-female collaboration and same-sex or opposite-sex intimacy, that power is yours. And you're allowed to have that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Heart of Yoga podcast. You're truly welcome here. And Anna, Anna Berry, you're truly welcome here in this world to all here gathered who want to hear from you, who want to talk to you, and I want to talk to you. I want to know about you. I want to talk to you about your life. I want to talk to you about your career. I want to talk to you as a mother, as a lover of life in this world, as an artist, as a singer, a jazz singer, someone in the United States, someone who's gone through the illness of COVID. And most of all, I want to talk to you about you as a yoga teacher in this world in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the daughter of uh, a beauty queen, I believe, your mother, famous personality in the United States. And you have like the dependence of a, a drumbeat and the steady groove of life. I've seen you over years now uh, be the yoga teacher, that capital Y, capital T, yoga teacher that you are in this world, and teaching in quite a difficult place of Tulsa, Oklahoma, that has its own you know, unique characteristics of the mid-United States, that red area of the United States. And you live there with your daughter and your, your, uh, your dear friends and family. And I want to know about you. So could we start at the beginning? Would you mind going way back? Who are you, Anna Berry? Where were you born? What was your early life like? Can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're coming upon 14 years of maybe 15 years of knowing each other. So I'm, I'm grateful to be on, on, uh, featured on your, your podcast and shared to your amazing community around the world. Well, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma many, many years ago in 1983. And I was, I was, I was brought up with a, a very tumultuous childhood. My parents got divorced when I was three. It was my mom's second divorce. She has been divorced four times. My father's third and last divorce. He has been divorced three times. And there's been many a girlfriend and boyfriend in since, since then. So I was raised with very dramatic characters as parents. My father is an actor, oilman. My mother's a beauty queen news anchor. And I was uh, five, six in fifth grade with boobs and an attitude. And I was always a little bit lost with who am I? Why am I here? I was always drawn to the, the lounge singers of the 40s, the beatniks of the early 60s. And, and I was never settled in my skin. I was never settled in the city of Tulsa. And I wanted out. I wanted out of my skin. I wanted out of my city. So luckily, I did find jazz at an early age because I was my nanny was an African American woman. And she raised me on the north side of Tulsa. I went to an all black Baptist church for my entire life uh, since I was, you know, since I left at 18. Because my mom worked full time. You know, Anne would pick me up from school. She would cook me dinner. My mom would rush home, give me a little kiss, and then go back to do the 10 o'clock news. And Anne was my source of love. And I loved going to her church because her Baptist church was just full of very humble, uh, gregarious people loving the Lord and worshiping in that typical gospel type of way. And there was a lot of purity there for me, like pure heart to heart celebration of God. Right. And my father saw in me this courageous young girl 
who wanted to be a star. So he curated me as an actress because he actually was born in Hollywood. He lived next door to Clark Gable down the street from John Wayne in the 30s and 40s of old Hollywood. And he, he didn't get a chance to be an actor because he started to have kids at a very young age and get married and divorce and start businesses. So he always wanted to be an actor. It just didn't happen for him. So he saw it in me and tried to cultivate that as best he could. So he'd sent me to Paris and London and New York City when I was 16, studied at American Academy of Dramatic Arts, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. And I, I just became kind of like a world traveler and this bigger than life personality here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, luckily, I had, I, I had a stepfather who was verbally abusive to me, emotionally and verbally, never physically. I almost wish he was because then I could have I could have stopped it sooner, right? If he was, but he was verbally and emotionally abusive to me. And that caused me to have stress-induced asthma, which in turn caused me to find yoga at a health food store. Rodney Yee, half-naked, beautiful Asian man standing on a mountain, AM, PM yoga. Thank you, Rodney. <laughs> and it taught me how to breathe, right? So, right, I'd have a man yell at me in the morning. I'd have to go straight to geometry. <gasps> right? I still hate math. <laughs> so finding Rodney Yee, uh, that yoga through him, that was also the time when I also found Jack Kerouac <laughs> and kind of that escape through that, that world of, of travel and being kind of a vagabond and a gypsy and, and a ne'er-do-well, but still super cool. And I also found great music like Van Morrison, The Beatles, The Dead, and marijuana at a very young age. I was 12 years old when I found yoga. I was 13 when I found all the rest and sex and all that crazy stuff. I started very young because I was five, six, right? I was so tall and outspoken, courageous. Long story short, I left Tulsa like this with my middle finger being like, see y'all at Christmas. I'm out of here. Went to Chicago, got a talent scholarship. And I was like the pretty girl in a theater school. So everyone kind of hated me because I was like, I'm going to go to LA and be an actress on TV and commercials. And they're all reading, you know, Stanislavski and Meisner and, you know, mm -hmm. Mamet. <laughs> I had a older boyfriend who was Puerto Rican who let me borrow his BMW when he would go out of town. And I was, I was kind of a hot shot, right? He was 42 when I was 20. We lasted four years. Okay. It works. <laughs> I went right to LA and immediately developed every eating disorder in the book. I hated it. I, I experienced what I call Hollywood yoga, where you go to a yoga class. And this is before Lululemon, but there was still Lululemon before Lululemon. You know, everyone's half naked in there doing 50 chaturangas. And I was next to like the actor and how I met your mother and like all these actors. I remember crowding outside before you get in. And once the doors open, you just rush in, you find your spot. And it was, it was just, it was stressful. Yoga was so stressful. And then I met this big jolly guy named Shiva who took a liking to me and brought me into the satsang with Neem Kroli Baba and the Maharaji um, group. And he said, I think, I think you need to meet Mark Whitwell. So I went to a yoga works meeting with you and I cried because you pointed me out of the group, made me stand up and told me how I'm a flower <laughs> and the beauty, okay. the power of the cosmos. I remember standing up there going, what, what are you talking about? I am, I am a fat wannabe actress in Hollywood and yeah, I'm a piece of shit. I'm worthless. I'm stupid. I'm just one of the many. I'm a cow. I'm, I'm no, you know, and, um, and I'm not skinny enough to do yoga. I'm never going to do headstand or handstand or Ekapada Kundini Asana too. <laughs> I just kept coming to your classes when you had the workshops and I don't remember how we fully connected, but fast forward, New York city yoga, right? I got pregnant. I kept the child. I'm so glad I did. She's seven years old now. Her name's Isabella. I married the schmuck. I shouldn't have done it, but it's part of the path. And I moved back to Tulsa. Remember that place where I left with the middle finger saying, see you at Christmas. Well, I had to face that and face that, that ego that I left with and, um, and rebuilt myself here as best I could. And then here I am five years later living in Tulsa. Yeah, you are sort of dismissing this uh, career that you had in Hollywood 
uh, in acting and uh, as a media personality. I mean, you'd essentially uh, inherited this uh, character from your mother and knew the skills of media. And I, you're sort of quickly dismissing it, but you were good at it. I mean, I've seen you as the anchor on television and so forth. And you know what you're doing in that world, don't you? I do. I do. When I was living in, in L.A. as a 21-year-old, my emotions were so unhinged. I was so unhinged. I didn't have any control. I didn't know who I was, right? So I wasn't confident. I wasn't clear. You know, I was all fluctuating with weight. I did kind of take on this. I wanted to be like the Ethel Merman, right? The Oprah Winfrey, the Elizabeth Taylor in the early 2000s, right? It just didn't fit. And I did have my mother's broadcasting voice and the big hair from Oklahoma and the genuine kindness from a heart, right? I didn't know how to work up my way up the ladder. So it didn't work for me in LA, but when I moved to New York City, my love for culture and my ability to connect with people of all different races, religions, uh, just it just fit. And my ability to have conversations with international businessmen, it just like, I was like, this is my city to walk into, go into jazz clubs and to smoke pot with Rastas in Washington Square Park and then dine with diplomats at Nello's on Upper East Side. You know what I mean? Like that was my city and I totally came alive and I found more of my path as a spokeswoman and a journalist and I let kind of the acting world go. So I was more like, I'm Anna Berry, I am. And that's where it kind of came together more. My body came together, my mission came together. And then I got pregnant. And tell the world that you have these words, I am, tattooed mm -hmm. on your wrist. An epiphany that you had, you discovered yourself as yourself, yeah. as life itself. And once you'd sort of got through that, um, the celebrity model of wanting to get to the top of the Christmas tree, you know, like a tiny few do, but everybody else is miserable trying to get up the top there, you know, to be... Elizabeth Taylor or whoever, or perhaps even the to duplicate that uh, celebrity of your mother. Uh, once you'd gotten over that, you found yourself to be quite successful at uh, media production. And I, I mean, I've seen you in various European languages. I, I've seen you in, at least in Spanish uh, as a presenter, and you're a very talented person. And you did kind of like relax into an ordinary career as a as a spokesperson and a, as a as a promoter of institution and product, and you've done quite well. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I I loved what I was doing in New York City, and I found a sliver of that here in Tulsa. But yes, I mean, if I had a genie pop out of out of a lamp right now, I would wish to have that 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 ideal spokeswoman gig, right? Where flow from progressive insurance, right? You have a contract where you produce commercials and people recognize you and you make a lot of money and you get to create fun art and support brands. And yes, I, I, I would love that. I really would love that, but it's just not fully realistic here in Tulsa, but I was very close to it in New York. Yeah. And hopefully a brand that is entirely life positive and supportive of yes. life Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mother Earth. So that hasn't yeah. quite landed on you, but you did relax from that need of secular success in somebody else's patterns, didn't you? I am slowly doing that. Coming back to Tulsa was, you know, coming back home was the most challenging thing because I could do it in New York and I know I could have made it in New York, but life didn't it didn't play out that way. I, I got pregnant and I, at 30 years old, I married the man who impregnated me and that just, it wiped out my bank account. It wiped out my social life. No more going to the Hamptons, partying with the creators of Instagram. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it, it changed my life so drastically. And then I moved back to Tulsa and in Tulsa, the media market at the time was just local news, which is just fear, 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 or a car commercial. And I did, I did a car commercial, you know, a few of those. I tried to get local news, but I couldn't do that because I was a host for a dildo show once and they found that on the internet and they cast me out, right? So yes, coming back home to Tulsa is almost, was almost harder for my ego 
then trying to make it, then trying to compete with like the big shots of LA, which was hard, right? It's because I do have my mom's legacy here that I don't need to live up to. I've, I've given that up, but I do have, I do, I do have something to say and something to give and talent to give here in, in Tulsa. And I do feel that I'm not fully doing it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I still have a few mountains to climb, even though I know there's constant peaks and valleys, I'm aware. To uh, be humbled in the, in the struggle of getting to the top of the Christmas tree, being the fairy on top of the Christmas tree of a US celebrity and media, that humbling, and even the loss of, the loss of work, like the whole world is actually going through right now, you know, Mm. the uncertainty around work and career. Um, I, what I've observed is that that has pushed you to be truly who and what you are, <laughs> you know, to truly be the power of the cosmos. That statement yeah. that we made to you in LA a long time ago, to be truly that and not measure your ego identity on some patterned behavior, such as getting to the top of the Christmas tree as a star, you know, or being amazing at being a, a promoter of somebody's product. <laughs> you know, all of those work possibilities uh, were taken off you circumstantially. But mm-hmm. I know there's been a blessing in that for you. Mm-hmm. There's been mm-hmm. an empowerment that has happened for you because of that failure of the conventional totally. path to success. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I pay my rent, I have a house. I have to make yeah. at least $1,300 a month. I don't get any child support. <laughs> I don't have, my dad doesn't give me a dime. He hasn't given me a dime in over 10 years. You know, and it's, yet- I filed bankruptcy. <laughs> you know, like I am a mom. I were, I've never worked so hard and I've had to diversify, right? Because you can't be an actress in Tulsa, Oklahoma and, and pay your rent. I love your honesty and I love your vulnerability. Your, your vulnerability is truth. So therefore, it's powerful. It makes you powerful. And I've seen that. I just want to tell everybody that, you know, I've witnessed you and your, your life, your process, if you want to call it that, over a number of years. And I can see that you have been empowered in your life as a mother, as an artist, as a lover, as a woman, in all these ways, mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. In all these ways, I can see the, you know, the collapse of cards that your, your dear mum built her life and career on and that you did too for a number of years. Uh, and the, all the uncertainties of that, the struggle of that is over. Not that you can't participate in it very successfully if you want to, or if something lands on you, you can go and do it any time, but it's no longer the measure or the identification of who and what you are. True, yeah. true. You know yourself to be capital S, something that is quite different from the usual measure of the usual life. And there's a certain truth and equanimity come over your life. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. I just want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you. There is all truth in what you just said. Thank you. And um, I'm happy that you brought forth my, the name of my dear friend, uh, Shiva Baum in, in Los Angeles, a great man and always someone who has um, taken care with people to help everybody know about this yoga that comes through this, this teaching lineage, this guru parampara of Krishnamacharya uh, through Dasagachar, through me to you. And Shiva's always there in the background saying, hey, everybody. <laughs> so I love <laughs> Shiva for who he is and for doing that. Uh, and for you in particular, he did that. And could you describe that moment? I mean, I, can, I don't remember it specifically, but it's just something that I do that I'll let somebody know indeed Anna Berry, you are, in fact, the power of the cosmos. You know, something brought you through here. And yet now you as a mother, you know this. You've had this in your own experience of, you know, seeing the power of the cosmos arrive as your daughter, Bella, and the yeah. absolute awe 
inspiration, power, beauty, the pure intelligence that is life, and the perfect harmony that is intrinsic to life, your daughter, and you, your embodiment. I just want to know what that felt like when that was spoken to you uh, unexpectedly all those years ago. Well, it's the exact opposite of what I've been told my whole life. And so many of us have been told, right? You're too fat to be an actress. You're not good enough. You're too tall. You're a little too loud. You're not the right look. You're not from the right place. Your mom was bad. Therefore, you're this. Your dad did this. Therefore, this you're not what I'm looking for. I mean, just constant, especially in my industry, but it's just a general, general paradigm. Everyone kind of lives in these days, but it's just, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And I think most of us are kind of born with that anyway. Right. Um, unless you were just totally embraced or you have this magical outlook of life, but, and I had it big time. I've always struggled with insecurities. I've always struggled with, um, self-doubt, self-worth issues, you know, my root chakra has been off most of my life. And, and, then, and then with yoga, which is something that I found that saved my life as a child. And it continued on in, in, in college, you know, and it, it just yoga was always with me. And it was such a special, sacred experience for me. And then to go to L.A. and I was like, wait a second, this this yoga practice feels like an audition. It feels like like that driving up to an audition and walking in the room and looking around at everyone and comparing and judging and, and leaving feeling, oh gosh, I, I'm never going to be able to do 20 chaturangas and pushups and headstands and crows and sphinx and all this shit, you know? So it, the, the yoga started to bring up a complex that, that the acting world was doing, right? That self-worth, right? It was, it was the same thing. And so then yeah. going to a class with you and just being, being called out and being, you know, at first I didn't understand it. Right. And it still, it took me many years to actually integrate what all that really means. But at that time it was someone seeing me, you know, and, and saying that I am acknowledging, yeah. as you say, into me, I see it was true intimacy, seeing into who I really am, despite my belly rolls or my cellulite or my bank account. It's the same thing as the, I am. You know, it's, it's it. And to have a teacher, right? Someone, and I know you're, you're not the guru. You don't try to be the guru. You sit on the floor with everyone else. But to have the tall, worldly, wise teacher say that to you, it was like coming from the, the mouth of God, you know? And it was very um, triggering, right? It made me kind of sweat and vibrate. And my inner dialogue was, he's a liar. No, you know? How embarrassing. What do you look like? Are you crying? Is your face red? What are people thinking? They're probably going, no, not her, yeah. right? And so that's what, that's what we work through through life. And that's why the practice is, is still there. It's, you got to work through those, the inner dialogue, the inner demons that keep telling you, no, you're not the power of the cosmos. No, you are not as pretty as, as any fragrant, beautiful flower in the world, right? You, you need to do a little bit more before you can be that lotus just a little bit more maybe next year that is so <laughs> so powerfully insight insightful so remarkably honest anna for you to say that for you to duplicate that that mind dialogue that is going on while somebody said to you you are the power of the cosmos <laughs> and it brought all of that up too <laughs> love brings up everything that's done love to be seen and understood a great teacher said that you know um i said it to you uh, God's, God did say it to you because it is actually the case. Mm -hmm. And we mean that, you know, when we say it, this, this is not a spiritual statement. You are the power of the cosmos. It's a fact. It's a plain fact that our, our culture, our society does not acknowledge. God is, is other. God is somewhere that you get to, somebody that right. you know in future time, you know. Through, through effort of every kind. And you've noticed too, I believe, that that sort of struggle in the secular world of trying to be successful, that has just been duplicated into the spiritual ladders, hasn't it? Oh, trying yes. to get somewhere as if you're not the power of the cosmos. Yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, this uh, truth that was spoken to you, you're the power of the cosmos, it is arising as a pure intelligence. An unspeakable beauty 
you are the beauty. You're not the beautiful woman, according to some, you know, media criteria, you know, magazine land definition of beauty that has been imposed on the public that you try to conform to and be successful in. You're not a beautiful woman in that insidious definition. You are the beauty. Everything in the natural world is utter beauty. And guess what? You are of the natural world. You are the beauty. And I, we say that to you. And we're, of course, we're saying it to every person and every creature because that's the fact of it. And I believe that that went into you as an ordinary fact. And it started brewing in you, you know, over the weeks, the months, the years. This fact of reality itself has been doing its work over these years, hasn't it? Yes, over the years. Slowly but surely. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. <laughs> it, it slowly has been being, it has slowly been revealed as the absolute truth. And there's been many situations, experiences that I've had where I've gone, aha, that's it, that's it. And they just keep being revealed to me. And I have tried to take that into everything, everything that I do, right? And it's not an Eckhart Tolle book. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a daily, it's a daily attitude, right? It's a daily practice. Yeah. And the I am, you know, when I went over to Lebanon many years ago, uh, the I am came because everyone kept saying, Anna, 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 right? And my, that's my name, Anna. And I kept, I was like, why is everyone saying my name? And they're like, oh, Anna, <laughs> that means I am, right? And so when that happened, it was like, woo, right? And so now I'm, I'm a lot more at peace and thank you for acknowledging how, how truthful I am. I am so, I love to be honest. I find power in my honesty and my, there's humility and power in it. I am, and I'm okay with who I am, right? The imperfections, the flaws, the beauty, the power. It's, it's just, it's, it's a lot more solid, not just a concept. It's more like palpable. It's real. It's blood, it's blood and bone, not just a, a writing in a book. And I want to acknowledge that you uh, got this in your own case. You, it is, um, you know, you got yoga in the authority of your own experience, uh, not because I'm saying it and definitely not to be very clear, not in the cult of personality, like you're related to me, like, you know, you tried to point out before, it is simply that universally it is true. Mm -hmm. I said it to you or not. It is true that you are, your skin is the power of the cosmos. Your breath is the power of the cosmos. Your sex is the power of the cosmos. You are yeah. that. And I might've spoken those words to you as some sort of like agency to, for you to, to instigate that, to initiate that investigation in yourself. And it went off in you like a bomb. But it is your experience. There is no yes. cult of personality here. There's no conventional sort of guru game of some, you know, amazing person that no, with authority who knows the truth that's somehow senior to you or something. And you're like, oh, thank you, thank you. You know, it's none of right. that. It is universally the case. And it's not a spiritual statement. It is not poetry. It's a plain fact that this world does not live by, you know, we live yes. by mathematics and, you know, I'd say that you, you, you had good teachers that made sure you didn't get out of school without knowing your basic maths, but nobody spoke this basic material to you. You were let out there loose into the world without, <laughs> without basic uh, understanding, a universal understanding of reality itself arising as everything, you know, and I've seen that that sort of been bubbling away and coming through you. Yes. And, it, and, and all the different ways that it comes is so helpful, whether it's in the, the image of the two triangles, right? The merging, whether it's, you know, the sacred geometry of the Yantra, right? Whether it's the chanting to Krishna or Allah or Anna or whatever, it, right? It, it's all the, the, the asana, the pranayama, the books, 
Bob Dylan lyrics, whatever, right? The dance, the jazz, it's the, mo the more I've, and I've explored almost all of it, right? The more I've explored and gone, ooh, Krishna, or ooh, you know, yantras, or this and that, headstands, you know, then it, then it just kind of all just like merges back into, or sex, you know, or whatever, it all merges back into, oh, it's just, it's here, it's right here in me, right? All that stuff. And then I've learned that, oh, the Krishna's fun and the chanting's fun, but I don't necessarily need that to get back here, right? And I've just found that over time. I don't have to rely on those external things, which are great concepts and they help you connect, but they're, it's not, that's not bringing me to this place. You are life as it actually is. You are reality yeah. as it actually yeah. is. The one thing that is happening, the one reality in which everything is happening, the one reality in which your body, your spouse, your teacher, your deity, everything is happening in the one reality, right? Mm -hmm. And that Even is what you are. Even the damn coronavirus. And that's what's yeah. weird. Even that. I'm not it's fully happening. there yet. <laughs> but yeah. I know that it's, and it is, it's in me. I had the virus. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. Well, look, at a certain point, I saw you become sort of 100% committed to the practice of yoga and the teaching of that practice, that you made your stand years ago in that. And I say that you became a capital Y, capital T yoga teacher, yoga master. Mm -hmm. And I know you're too humble to take on the word guru, but that's how what the word is, the guru. No more than a friend, no less than a friend empowering other people to find their way, to find their way home. Yes. For the guru's destination is another way of losing yourself in the conventional life and power structure that has been created around gurus and religious leaders of every kind. It's another way of losing yourself. But to be the guru, no more than a friend, no less than a friend, and help everybody who comes to you find their way home to their own life as it actually is, the power of the cosmos that is their reality, that is their skin, yes. their breath, sex. And oh, you, I'll own you that. That's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. And especially in, 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 in modern day yoga here, I'm the queen of modifications, right? It's like, you know, I mean, there's so many things I have to do to give them the yoga that they want and to give them the yoga, right? Yeah. There's that little challenge. We can talk about that. And I just want to just acknowledge you that you turned from being a yoga instructor of other people's patterning that's been popularized as yoga. You know, the patterning of yoga brands and styles and celebrity yoga teachers and so forth and their commodity. You're no longer working with those patterns, but you're working with the principles that Krishnamacharya brought forth that had disappeared out of the public life from the 14th century, replaced by uh, spirituality as power structure, as male orthodoxy imposing, you know, hopefulness and seeking on the public. And even in this late time, you know, the seeking, gymnastic seeking, you know, the seeking of uh, religious meditation and so forth, trying to get somewhere as if you're not already the power of the cosmos. I just make this point that yoga is only participation, only in the given reality. And that struck you. I think it hit you for the first time in that studio in LA many years ago and started doing its work. But then it became tangibly experienced in your own body-mind. And uh, I love that you named an Instagram whole body prayer and you be, you know, this whole body prayer to reality itself has been your way. It's been your life as a mother, as an artist, as a lover, and as a yoga teacher. And I love the way you stood up straight in Tulsa. And we went through this, uh, you know, terrible time last year of the pandemic and the politics in Tulsa and the racism in Tulsa. And you didn't break step for one moment. You took it in your stride 
and you found every way of teaching in that extremely difficult limit of the public life and nothing held you back. And I just, you know, I honor you for that. I love you for that. And there's been many, many that you've taught in studios and by Zoom, particular these late times, who received the power of their own life, the power of their own breath, and the power of the inhale merging with the exhale, the power of strength that is utterly receptive, which is the natural state, which is the form of life itself, the union of strength that is utterly receptive, the union of the male-female collaboration in your own embodiment. And we make the point that we are all male-female, that we came from male-female. It created mother and father in the instant arising of a new life, your life, one cell arising in the nurturing force that is life. So this male and female collaboration is the nurturing force of life, and you are that. And you yourself in these years have brought through a child, Bella, who was who completely loved. The nurturing force of life is what life is. And you demonstrate that, you live that, you be that, and you teach that. And you empower people as that, whether it's same-sex intimacy or opposite-sex intimacy or any gender identification. We are this nurturing power. That yoga is the union of opposites in our own system. That tantra is not a struggle or play for the two to become one. The two are one. It's already the case. And I know that in the ups and downs and the successes and failures of you being an amazing media person in the United States, you have stood your ground in the first principle of life and taught this to your world, even the, the world of Tulsa. And I thank even you. Even in Tulsa. Yeah, <laughs> I thank you for that. Yeah, I do. I personally thank you for that, but I acknowledge you for that. My pleasure. In your life as a, uh, as a beautiful woman, your life surrounded by the males who desperately want you, they want to get you, they want to own you, they want to penetrate you, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. Uh, you've dealt with that, haven't you? A little bit, you know, a little bit of man to man to man. Oh, yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Mm-hmm. You've been yeah. through a process in that. Mm-hmm. It has resolved because you've told me I can speak upon this. You've had success in the male-female collaboration in your own embodiment within and on the outside too, with another, with an actual other. I've seen this. Would you mm-hmm. mind telling us about this a little bit? Well, my so remember I come from a family of divorce, many, many divorce, a lot of a lot of pain, trauma, abuse growing up, under seeing my mother cry and feel desperate and also demolish and emasculate a man or whatever you call it. Um, And then my father kind of caretake and, you know, flip around on women. And, and, and for me as I've just always been so yearning for love and and my, my soulmate, my twin flame, oh my God, how many books have I bought on finding your twin flame and all that bullshit. So, and I, 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 I started young. I, I've been in too many relationships I can count. But the point is, is after my last breakup, which was such a karmic relationship with a man that was brought up every single thing that was unloved in me and in him. And I guess that's why we, came together, right? To understand all of all the stuff that needs to be seen and understood. And we weren't going to work through it together. It just, that wasn't the path, but it was, it was the volcano. It was the eruption. It was the, okay, the volcano's erupting. Here's all the shit. Now put yourself back together. Right. And I, and it, and I did, I didn't date after that. I didn't sleep around. I mean, I didn't sleep around. I didn't do what most people do jump right into another relationship. I spent a good amount of time grieving. Thank you for your help with that. Going to the heart of it, the heart of the break, the just being fully in it and letting it take over and just wash through me. 
and coming out stronger than ever, because then I realized, oh, that wasn't who I am. It's the same thing, the complex I've always had, right? Unworthy of love, unworthy of being received. I'm too much. It's never going to happen for me, blah, blah, blah. And, and I really, truly can say that I came out of it so solid in myself and so solid in knowing that I am lovable and that I am, I am going to be received, but, at, but for this time, I'm going to receive me. I'm just going to be solid and strong and soft, right? All these qualities of myself and just focus on the things I choose to focus on. It was a really liberating time where I didn't have a worry about a man or sex, or I went on some dates, but it really wasn't my focus. And, and so, so I, I was in a pl financial place where I had to either become a bartender or do something else. I was like, shit. And I've been in this position many a times. And I thought, well, maybe I could sing in a, in a bar. I'd probably make just the same amount of money and I'd have a lot more fun. And I did with my ex, I did sing a little bit, but for so long, I thought he took that away from me, right? He left, therefore it's gone. And then of course I realized, no, I'm the power <laughs> of the cosmos. I am in it. I am it. So I can create it. And I did. I truly like just said one day, I'm going to start a band and I'm going to sing the music that I know and love. And I just pulled I these, these pieces together. Mm -hmm. And then I created this band and in that band was the best drummer in town. He's from Aruba and he was going to be very hard to get. Said the bassist and, and this, the drummer's name is Michael. And he, and he was so easy to get, <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. I mean, he, cause he saw me. And he said that he'd say it today. He goes, yeah, the guys were great, but like, I just could see it in you that you're going to do this. And he just responded. And he, he, over time just was, again, it's the, the solid base. It's the theta, right? It's the steadiness of his, of his being, his confidence, his playing, his understanding of music, the way he handles me because I'm all over the place. And we developed a really solid friendship. And that friendship started to, we started to flirt and he would, he would just, he would, he would set up my music, you know, he'd set up the speakers and then he'd break it down. He just allowed me, he'd be like, go do your thing, go mingle, you know, go, go, go talk to your guests, relax. You know, he would, he would just help me shine and do what I needed to do and always super patient with my kid and my schedule and my insecurities and my ups and downs. And I just over time started to develop a, a trust with him because I could, I knew that he's not going to blow up on me, right? His trauma is not triggered by me. We weren't, we weren't at each other ever. And slowly it started to turn into a sexual relationship. So we have a work relationship public and then a hidden sexual relationship. And we were both kind of like, we're going to just keep it at a distance. And that really worked. It, it, it still is not fully public, but we, but <laughs> I have learned, I mean, it's not, it I mean, I've learned to, well, <laughs> but I, but through that, I've learned to, he's already received me. I mean, he's great at that, but I've also learned to receive him. Right. And I've learned to be soft. I'm still learning um, to be received, right? I don't have to be the, the creator, yeah. the, the force I can be, he will give me massages all the time. He will take care of the hard labor and allow me to kind of rest. And he can, he can handle my ups and downs and my crazy erratic moments. And that to me is worth more than gold, right? And I've, and I've found there's no desperation, there's no addiction, there's no competition. It is true, simple, it's, it's calm, it's trust, I trust him completely. We have never had a fight in almost two years of knowing each other, it's unbelievable. And the way he handles when I get, ah, he'll just like sometimes just lay on me and give me like a kiss on my belly or something and just like, breathe. And I, I don't have that need to, to stab him like I've done before, right? I don't have to 
demolish him like like I've been ingrained to do to men. It's it's blowing my mind. It's like, okay, it's giving me a chance to step back and go, let's do this differently, Anna. Just man's yeah. not trying to fight with me. Why, right? Why am I? And then yeah. I, I I let it go. And yeah. and it's just been really wonderful. So I, I, I don't know what the future holds with us, but I've, I, I've seen visions. I feel like, I feel like it, who knows? I don't know what the future holds. But I've, but I wanna, feel like I could absolutely be with him for a very long time because he's so wonderful to be with and he, he's so wonderful to me. I do want to point out that you, at a certain point, began to teach him the actual technology of asana. And you, 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 uh, you even recruited me in that a little bit, you know, our courses and so forth. And mm -hmm. he took to it like a duck to water and he loved strength receiving, inhale, exhale. He fell in love with mm -hmm. his own breath. The inhale loves the exhale and the exhale loves the inhale. And he found that. Yep. So It was really, really cool to watch because uh, he's super strong. Like he's a workout guy, right? Super strong and big muscles. And I, I remember just he would train me, he would do some workouts with me. And I'd be like, why don't we trade? Why don't you to come to some yoga? And, and he did. And I remember just like watching him in down dog, like relax, like breathe and slow, like lengthen. And, and I was teaching at this re really cool studio that I love to teach at no longer anymore. And I got, I get to do my whole thing. Right. It was beautiful and quiet and spiritual. I could do, I could do the real teaching and, and I just saw his body start to change. I mean, his body is completely different now. It is long, lean, it's still muscular, but his, he's grown like two inches, right? And his, uh, it, he already had it in him. I think all yogis already have it in us, but when we get, get it, we're like, oh yeah, right? So it's just, you could see it in his body you could see it in his spirit and he, he's, he's, he, he listens, right. He'll read whatever I say to read and he just gets it. He already gets it. Right. But it's just another way to connect and the breath with him playing music. It's just been a win-win in every situation you can think of for a man to embody this, this yoga practice. And he does it. I want to he point out it. that you gave that to him. Yep. I did. He would say that too. <laughs> yeah. And here's the, uh, he has benefited greatly from an actual yoga uh, transmitted mm -hmm. by you and a little bit, little bit by me. Has he specifically felt those changes in himself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he, one thing I do love about him is he's very, he's, he's very grateful and he'll say it. He's like, I'm just so grateful to know you you know, thank you for teaching me this. I mean, he has this humility of, of acknowledging what he's learning as a student of life. And I think, I think, I mean, he said this past year is just, he's just really grown so much as a, as a being, right. As a musician, but as a human and yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm saying that Anna is that the women must teach the men uh, mm -hmm. one man time. And you've certainly done that in mm -hmm. Michael's case, and thank you for doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. you've, you've, he and you have found his, uh, you can call it reprogramming if you like, his program to, be, to become receptive in life. Mm -hmm. uh, strength that is receptive, strength that is not just getting. Strength that is trying only to be strong destroys itself. Ultimately, mm -hmm. and, and war is the the worst manifestation of this strength not receiving. But mm -hmm. strength is for receiving. That's the purpose of strength, <laughs> to mm -hmm. receive. And he's done that. And it's, it's produced a beautiful, dependable polarity. The two are one in the one reality in which life is happening, in which mm -hmm. everything is happening, in which the cosmos is happening. Mm -hmm. It is the power of the cosmos. It is the nurturing of the cosmos. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We practice together. It's great. Yep. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
not that you have to practice together. You can each do your own practice independently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, would you be willing to speak about the physicality of that strength that is receiving in in uh, in your in your intimate life? Have you noticed little smile coming? Have you noticed its implication to loving, bodily loving? Yes. I mean, I'll put it this way. Yoga is not just on the mat, <laughs> you know? The, the principles aren't just in the mat. They are, they are in the bedroom too. And so many men are just, uh, right? And when, when a man is practicing yoga, he's breathing and I'll put it, you know, in the bedroom too. I mean, it's like the little reminder is like, breathe, pull the breath up, right? Inhale and yeah. like, and, and it just changes the, it changes the, the intimacy that you have with someone when they are receiving you and not just trying to penetrate you. You found that his strength is receiving you. Yes. Yeah. The strength is utterly receptive in the context of receptivity or the context of nurturing. And that brings a beauty and a profundity to lovemaking, doesn't it? I'm sorry to, uh, to bring this up and talk so frankly about it, but this is the, uh, the necessary message for, for okay. the condition the world is in. We even published a book on it. As you're aware, God and sex, now we get both. We, any individual, any mm -hmm. private couple who might be speaking to each other, but we, the collective, the public life. Yeah. Yep. And even your dog agrees. Emphasize that point. So thank you for, for bringing it to uh, that, that uh, level of, of honest detail, because I know that's uh, what yoga has given you both. You know, I just want to, just to round out that consideration. It's not like in your lovemaking, it's something that there's no technique. The bodies know what to do. The bodies are strength receiving in the natural state. So they come together and there's simply, the bodies know what to do, how to receive mm -hmm. each other in a profundity, you know, how to descend and ascend synchronistically, how to not create uh, sex as a stress release and empty. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. How to gather each other's energies and so forth. The body knows how to do that. And it knows that because that's what you're doing in your yoga practice. So there's no particular like, breathing technique or gazing into each other's eyes. There's no technique right. in lovemaking. Right. But having done your yoga practice in the day, the bodies know naturally how to receive each other which is the secret ingredient of a religious life, actually, of a spiritual life, of an ordinary life, of a human life. And uh, you've come to that point in your personal life. Now you've got the rest of Tulsa to deal with, one man at a time. So I've witnessed you time after time. Isn't that a song? Miles Davis did a cover. Yeah. Cindy Looper, time after time going out into the Tulsa community in the midst of racism, politics, pandemics, and teaching your heart out to the people who are unexpectedly receiving this gift from you. Could mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that, how that is going, especially in the world of male gymnastics that they're calling yoga? You know, I could spend hours talking about all the shit that I've gone through teaching here. I've been fired for chanting to Krishna or whatever. You know, I've done all kinds of stuff, but I've really found my groove. I've found my yoga home, which is salt yoga. And they know I am so confident in my teaching of yoga that I, I don't, it's like, this is what you get. This is what you get. You're going to get a slow practice. I'm going to give you so many different modifications so that you have your right yoga. And I'm so aware of everyone in the room. And I, and I just feel I've refined my teaching so much that I still have to give them their chaturangas and I still have to give them their standing poses, but I, I absolutely give them the teachings, the five easy pieces, right? I absolutely give them their breath, 
their their slower connection to uh, an asana workout with with an opportunity to integrate their their physical body with their their emotional their spiritual everything in that moment right and then what happens when you leave is all part of it right it's not separate and i and i'm just and it, I, I don't read roomy quotes anymore at the end of class. Like I just, everything is just bare basic. I don't play any lyrics. It's just beautiful jazz or raga, just no lyrics. And I'm very, I'm very passionate about no triggering lyrics, no pop music in a yoga class, simple music that just allows you just to drop in. And then when you're done with the yoga practice in the, in the yoga room, you know that the yoga practice continues on in the yoga of relationships, right? So it's just a constant acknowledgement of that and a constant yeah. honoring of that. It's the practice. It's here we are together breathing. We're integrating what happened before. We're integrating what the world's doing to our nervous system. This is a practice and you can do it at home. You don't need me. You don't need a studio. You've got this. And now you're going to go home to your wife or your job and you're going to practice more yoga. Boom. That's it. And if I have to give, if someone wants to do 20 chaturangas in class, great. That's your yoga, you know, and love do it. Right. If someone is injured in the back and is just in child's pose the whole time. Great. But they got it. They got the breath, the integration of the body and into their life. Right. So I feel like I'm, I'm doing, doing a great job at that. And, and people are going to love my class and some people are going to be like, nope. I want to go to the hip hop yoga class and go I do deeply, it. I deeply appreciate how you've integrated the principles that Krishnamacharya brought forth in his life from the wisdom tradition and brought them into what has been popularized as yoga, as Iyengar and Ashtanga Vinyasa. Mm -hmm. And they all, it belongs with everything that derived from Krishnamacharya. Mm -hmm. And you, you've done that exploration in your own life and practice and you've worked out how to teach that to people who are in the patterning of the popular styles and so forth and i know it's a challenge but you've done it mm -hmm. and you continue to mm -hmm. preach to teach yoga i almost said preach to teach yoga as preach. you have yeah yeah to preach yoga as you have experienced it yourself in the authority of your own experience uh, but adapting it to the needs of whoever comes to you according to their body type, age, and health, and their Always. culture. One's a Christian and so forth. You, you've, you, so you've become a yoga teacher, capital Y, capital T, in the midst of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And nothing holds and, you And back there are great the, yogis here. There are yeah, great yogis here. That sheer joy of communicating to somebody else the, the self-empowering tools and give it to them in their own life and bring them to the love of life and the love of each other. And who knows, even the bodily intimacy with somebody else that is so lacking in our world. So thank you, Anna Berry, for getting the job done in Tulsa. And may your spherical unfolding of the cosmos from your heart continue to radiate into this whole world. And may that, you know, you've done it in Tulsa. Now the world is ready. The world is ready for this information that you hold through, uh, through your own practice and experience, through your own yoga life and realization. And I just want to, um, you know, maybe wrap this up soon, but uh, you were in Rishikesh and Hadwa at the Kumbha Mela, this largest gathering on of hum human beings on the earth, 30 million people meeting mm -hmm. at the crossroads, uh, meeting at the holy Ganga River. And uh, I was there with you with our great friend Sham Das, who died not so long ago. We miss him dearly, a great yogi and scholar. Uh, we did a workshop there. I recall how deeply imbibed you were of that culture and of that learning of the yoga learning from me and of this of the ancient culture of veda how you wandered through it like a gypsy <laughs> i think you called yourself a gypsy at the time 
And you made a beautiful little documentary of that experience that people can, we can send a link to people. They can have a look at you in India about 10 years ago, right? Can you recall what was that about for you? What was that and how does that reverberate through your life? Well, that was a true initiation into uh, the, the, the origins of, of yoga. I feel like it was a past life reckoning, right? It's a place that I've been before and then I came back to in this current embodiment. And it was just a, a moment of solid understanding, right? Like full-blown understanding of it all from the, the heart of it. So I, it was the greatest, the greatest trip of my life still to this day. It was just unbelievable and life-changing in every way. And I would People. do anything to go back and re-experience it again. <laughs> After the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And if people want to look more deeply into what that was all about, but I, you know, please look at your documentary. I think there was some empowerment yes. in that, that event for you. Uh, and in meeting oh, yeah. out in Shamdas and the others who came with us, there was a lot in there. And um, I recall that you uh, came to uh, various places and talked with me to Bali and and to um, Esalen. And uh, you honed your teaching skills in those places, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. I've been I've been blessed to have to sit at the feet of some of the greatest teachers around before they were uber uber famous and and yes all of that has has uh, kind of seeped sept into my teachings and I, I I now my teachings are a lot more simple but it it, it definitely colored my teachings for many years because I've been teaching for a, quite a while so it's it's it was just it's just been an honor to to look back at what I've seen and what I've witnessed and who I've got to meet in the yoga world and to be in those those beautiful festivals with those beautiful people and wow. Look, and I feel that you have had victory in your life. Uh, you've broken the the patterned behavior that you were born into. This encrustment of what it is to be a uh, you know a pretty young girl born into the U.S. The encrustment mm -hmm. of usual life. You've had uh, victory over that that patterning you know something of a, a life struggle but you've you've come through it you know and you are what i call what krishnamacharya called anacharya that is someone who's victory over your own uh, restrictions and patterns put upon you and you you know you represent the ending of those karmas for people in the united states and around the world those karmas are over you know you're off the hook <laughs> You know, you really are off the hook, living a free life, moving and breathing, loving life, loving an intimate partner in the freedom of the natural state. Yeah, you've, you're like a cat in a tree caught in the branches and the wind is blowing you <laughs> off the tree and you're running off scot-free, you know. But that has happened and you've, you've even been through the uh, getting the illness how did that go for you? Uh, is there any um, after effect of catching? No, it's fine. I'm glad I got it. I mean, if we're if we're gonna live with it, I, I got it, and it's over. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I didn't have a bad bad run of it. Yeah. So I think your view is that, that humanity can get through this. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we can. And if you have if you have pre existing conditions that you know of, okay. But I'm a healthy person, and I just felt shitty for a few days and now i'm completely fine and there's been many many pandemics on humanity and humanity has come through them all and will yes. come this, this one and um and i mean that's what i mean about you that you've had victory over the limitations put upon you and you stand uh -huh. free at your own ground so therefore you can be extremely helpful to everybody else who comes to you and I do recommend everybody in Tulsa is here as a yoga master, a yoga guru. Thank you. Who can help. Thank you. Uh, practiced in the, the tools of yoga, the tools of the tantra, and receive the transmission that you are indeed the power of the cosmos. I am. And um, I pray that nothing can, nothing, I know nothing can hold you back. Nothing can. Your, li your life is wide open. So thank you for this conversation. Oh, thank you, Mark. I always love yeah. talking with you. You always make me feel right at home. 
That's because you are at home. I am. Your your home through this pandemic, your home has become a sanctuary, and your body is clearly the temple of your heart. Take it in your stride. Don't let anything hold you back, as my mother said to me a month before she died. Mm. And just thank you for your alliance in this world. Always. Anna Berry, thank it's you so much. Yeah. The real yoga alliance right here. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon, Anna. Okay. We'll, we'll end this dialogue and uh, talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. I love you, Mark. Bye for now. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Yoga podcast. If you'd like to make this a two-way conversation, either in person or online, have a look at heartofyoga.com. And we're very grateful for the support of the Heart of Yoga Foundation, and that is completely sustained by donations. So if you'd like to help this podcast continue, you can also donate on the website. Thank you so much.